0: your voice a heartfelt chat with dr fujan
1: eliminate stress reduce anxiety and decrease depression dr Fujian zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results the Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand download today
0: Do you wish to wake up one day and hit the Life Reset button? Life Reset, the awareness integration path to create the life you want by Dr. Fujian Zain, helps you navigate crucial life areas, heal the past traumas, and cultivate fulfilling relationships and careers. Life Reset is your guide to a profound journey to reshape your life. Grab your copy on Amazon or Audible now and embark on a path to a more joyous and fulfilled life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice Podcast, a heartfelt chat with you, with my guests, and with you beautiful listeners and viewers. I'm Dr. Fujan Zane. I'm a psychotherapist, an author, and the originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. And for all of you who are interested in the Awareness Integration Theory, please go check out Fujan app because we go through 31 areas of your life, the important areas of your life, and you can go through this Um, guided journaling guided meditation that it really really supports and helps you in life and create improvement in your life we've already seen like 65 percent improvement in different areas of life just by simply going through the guided imagery and the guided journaling so i you know i hope you do that and um that it works for you it's so great to be with you today In this episode, I chat with Celia Landman. She's a mindfulness educator, and she offers support to teens and adults. She draws from experiences working with those impacted by trauma, addiction, and anxiety. And she has created customized meditation and visualization and trainings to reconnect them, everyone with their own wholeness, about who they are. We talked about not abandoning yourself. We talked about how to be with suffering in a way that um, that you could not only accept it, tolerate it, honor it. Um, she was ordained by Thich Nhat and as a member of the Plum Village community of engagement of, of engaging Buddhists, and um, she's also a certified trainer with uh, for the Center for Nonviolence Communication. And uh, today we're actually going to talk about her wonderful book, *When the Whole World Tips: Parenting Through Crisis with Mindfulness and Balance*. Um, she has gone through her own suffering, and, and as a parent, she's um, had to endure with her daughter, um, her daughter's suffering, and all of that. Not only is in the book, but also she tells you about how to. Uh, Be with that suffering, not abandoning yourself, how to take care of yourself. And in this book, she has specific guidance and meditations in order to walk you through that path that she has gone through and has that experience and is here to be able to serve others. She describes how to find balance while na- navigating seemingly impossible parenting situations. You can get her book um, and anywhere that books are there. And you can also check her out at celialandman.com. Now, subscribe to this podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Connect with me through my website, fujanzang.com, or any of my social media. I'd love to connect with you. And I'd love to hear from you. So. Um, with me all right now without further ado here's celia Glenn. intentional parenting a practical guide to awareness integration theory written by dr jafari dr fujan zain and dr manoukian three expert in human development is your step-by-step guide to raising a healthy child prepared for a culturally integrated world. you are supported in parenting infants to adolescents using the latest evidence-based scientific research on parenting. Order your copy on Amazon now.
1: Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. The Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand. Download today.
0: Celia Landman, it's so nice to have
2: you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here with you. Um, you have a book, which is When the Whole World
0: Tips. I love the name. And um, you share about your own experience, about parenting, about um, what you have experienced in your own family. And you bring that uh, into the book, not only from your own perspective and and uh, the experiences and the stories that you've had to go through um, and your family members have had to go through, but also in how to be with it? How to release it? How to learn from it? How to gain the wisdom that the experiences give us? Um, and you bring that to your readers and um, and our audience today. So first, I like to ask you to share a little bit about who you are and um, you know what brought you to want to share this with the world in your book.
2: Yeah, well. <clears throat> I was writing my um, thesis for a master's degree in mindfulness studies. And, you know, there were a lot of choices. And what I really wanted to share about the more I learned about uh, the practice of mindfulness and, and how it worked in my life, I wanted to share this aspect of mindful presence with other parents, because I encountered and I think anyone who has a child, we've we've experienced pain, we've experienced suffering, being a witness being someone who loves somebody else. And I I knew so many parents who were getting just destabilized and their lives were coming apart because of the suffering of their kids. And I I had gone through some big things with my kids and walking through it and practicing with it in a different way. I wanted to share what I had experienced, what I had learned about it, and also to destigmatize a lot of the shame that goes along with parenting a child who has a mental health diagnosis or um, who, who is engaging in self-harm or some some form of, of being um, outside of what we wanted.
0: Definitely, I think that with parenthood, um, the guilt is always there due to the responsibility. And somehow um, when we see a loved one go through some suffering, um, as a human being to another human being, obviously, we have the compassion, we hold them, and sometimes we feel they're suffering with them. But as a parent, I think that because of the responsibility, you also hold as if like, it's my responsibility not to allow my loved one to suffer. So we kind of go into this engaging concept, which shame, um, as you said, keeps coming as if I didn't do what I was supposed to do in order to uh, have my loved ones you know kind of um, be raised in feathers uh, and and not suffer at all but you beautifully also explain why suffering is part of life and uh, how did it exists and uh, what it has for us and what how we can be with suffering not only of ours but also others can you share a little bit about that
2: so I think there's there's a belief that if I do everything right, if I know the exact right thing, no one will be in pain. I won't be in pain. Um, life will be something I really want, you know, that I have the ability to control what's going on in someone else's life. And I, and I even think, You know, if I work hard enough or I know enough or if I parent in a certain way, I can be that enough of a force to keep my kids safe or well or um, from disappointment, from depression. And the truth of it is that I can do a lot of things, but I cannot control the genetic material. I can't control the cells. In someone else's body and when i say it you know it sounds kind of ridiculous but we hold this belief that that somehow we did something somehow we contributed in some way and also i can't control my child's mood i wish i could because if i could i would always you'd always feel happy (laughs) you'd feel joy you'd have you connect with your purpose um I would do a lot if I could, but I don't have that power. And I think when parents are really are confronted with that, um, this truth, you know, and you don't even you don't need to be a parent. You can own a pet. You can have a partner when we're confronted with the pain of someone else that we deeply care about. It affects us. for me, one of the, the pivotal points was I, I heard about this study that had been done where they took two people who are in relationship and they they wired them up, you know, with, with for for um, functional MRIs and they gave one person a shock and the other one they simply told we're going to be uh, giving a shock to somebody you care about that you're you know, you're connected to. So The person who was not being given the shock ran the same pain circuitry as in their brain as the other person, minus a specific locator site, and it wasn't a choice. It wasn't something that they thought about, and then they decided they would feel a certain way about it. It was an automatic response, so we can't control that we feel that we tra- that we transmit that that the pain of somebody else is also a pain is painful for us and then it's what do we do with that well definitely I, I
0: think that neuroscience also has shown that we have the mirror neurons where we mirror someone's uh mood and experiences when we are close to them whether we're close in vicinity or close in uh, Attachment, like if we are emotions are attached, which we are into our family members and the loved ones um, that are there with us. So you talk about the suffering itself and uh, the meaning that we give suffering um, and the causes that create suffering. Can you share a little bit about that? That,
2: yeah, that we have, um, we have bodies, we have a world that is unpredictable you know, the world doesn't promise us the things that we want. And when we step onto that, really that shakiness, it can be incredibly destabilizing. It can bring up a lot of anxiety in us because things we thought were certain aren't, aren't always certain. And what I've practiced with over and over is, is coming back to my own ability to be present with my own pain, with my own suffering. And that's the ground. That's the stability. This uh it's kind of like this fierce uh, partnership, fierce friendship with myself. That's what can give me the confidence and the trust that something will always be there and that something is my own care because there's no guarantee you know we know and and it's it's this hard truth we know anything can happen at any time anything but the more i can promise that i will be there for myself no matter what happens no matter um, you know what's happening in my child's life what's happening in my life I'm going to show up for myself with care that that can really help bind my anxiety to having to make things just one way. Very much. Now I've been a therapist and uh, for 30
0: years and I work with trauma a lot and uh, an addiction. So obviously there's a lot of suffering uh, that has been there. And I know even for, for me to sit in the room with someone who's suffering and has been suffering and having to go talk about their suffering and healing it that it a lot of time lands on my body lands on my psyche and i take it with me you know uh to my home so it's a lot of what you talked about self-care is important and also um working with parents who are uh, looking at whether you know their child is actually suffering from an illness or the worry that they have about uh, their child, you know, uh, going through addiction and uh, drug use, and you know whether the, in in a way that they're growing up and they no longer have full control. And we could see this concept of um, how much you could get engrossed in that type of anxiety and harm yourself, and not necessarily even be useful to the people who are around you when you are not taking care of yourself. And sometimes with you not taking care of yourself in the hope that you want to take care of them. We create more burden. We create more issues for that person versus like you shared, if I can at least calm this place within me, then even if I can't do anything about the reality of what they're suffering, maybe at least I can bring a little bit of calmness, a little bit of, um, you know, uh, light around what they're going through so that they could get uh the power of handling it to themselves because obviously i can't take somebody else's suffering away but if i can create a space for them uh for them to be able to do it then that might be also a way to be there and that's i think how you were there for yourself and your children and um, and now you're being that through the book uh for uh all the readers the readers to be able to to get that so the book is when the whole world tips parenting through crisis with mindfulness and balance by Celia uh Celia Landman um would you share a little bit about this concept of how to be with you more in details uh for you to be the healthy one um, or, or becoming healthy so that you can also be there for other people who are suffering around you.
2: So, and, and you brought up this great point about um, the transmission of emotion. And, and there's a lot of studies that show Anxious parents make anxious children because not only is something wrong in their lives, now they've got a parent who's kind of you know vibrating around. So now we have two problems. You know, I have what's going on in me, and I have a parent who's really not happy or helping or or okay. If they're not okay in any in any sense. Um, and also, when we fall into the the worry and the and the rumination and all the things we do when we're trying to control or to limit, make the world really small, um, we we tend to to believe that if I only feel right here, if I only feel this part of the spectrum, I won't have to feel the pain because the pain's going to be too big, and. This it's such a paradoxical thing that the more I can open my own heart to the pain and the fear and whatever comes up, um, the uncertainty or um, or even even that protection of um, numbness, whatever's there, the more I can just see it and, and learn how to decouple So this is the part that's the mindfulness part where where instead of being all fearful or all um, numb, I actually make step into can I just be, can I be with the edges of this feeling? Even if it's so big, what's, can I hold a little bit of it? Can I teach it how to breathe? you know, I, I like to do a lot of embodied practices. And and I put them in the book. Um, so it's like, where is it in my body? Where's the tension around this? Where's the pain? And can I just breathe with that teach that to breathe a little bit with me. So instead of being like this, totally blended with my emotion, I start to be able to care for it. And the more I can care for it, the more resilience I have in my life to be with the range of feelings that come up. And then when I can do this, when I can, oh, I'm so, you know, when I can name it, when I can accept it and my heart's open to it, I'm I'm not accepting it and saying, and get out of here. There's no reason you should be like, this is wrong. This is bad. I'm keeping my heart open to my own experience. Um, then I can show up for my kid with a really different energy, (sighs) you know, that, that, and it actually can help that the kids don't feel they're burdening me or that, or that I'm, that I have more capacity to keep my heart open to them because I know whatever happens, I can be there. And, and I was, um, when I was looking at material for the book, I encountered these uh, report the reports from parents who uh, they had adult daughters with uh, borderline personality disorder, and they'd been hospitalized numerous times for suicide attempts. And after a while, the parents stopped going to the hospital. They um, and uh, they even would say, I wish I wish I never had this child because the pain was too much to bear the, um, accompany this child in their, in their, um, you know, in their illness was too much. So they shut down, they closed off. It was safer to, to be, you know, to protect my own heart. So when I read that it was like, yeah, I mean, I can totally understand it. And, when you don't take care of your own pain when you don't have a place to to pour it out to to be with it the only way for some people is to just cut it off because it's too big so when you do this practice and it's starting with ourselves and it may be getting support it may be getting you know seeking a professional such as yourself to listen other parents um whatever whatever it support you get it helps to empty out our own pain so i can accompany my child yes it brought this
0: analogy for me of how you know when we're wanting to go into a cold pool we put a little bit of our toe in there and just kind of wait until we could tolerate and um make it normalize a little bit of that feeling and then we put a little bit more of our feet in there and slowly but surely our tolerance gets to a place where we could experience um and uh, the water in a way that um it's no longer you know devastating to us and but i also like if i'm if I'm freezing and I'm suffering through the coldness of the water, but I'm also bringing my child into the water, you know, um, it, it's not going to be anywhere that I can support them because yeah. they're going to be suffering and I'm will be suffering. But this concept of containing a, an emotion within yourself, tolerating the emotion and then honoring the emotion and being with it and um, that's where your um, pretty much your relationship with suffering changes it's not that the suffering is not there the, your relationship with it kind of changes yeah. so instead of fighting with it grappling with it and making it more so not only that the, the issue that you're suffering with is there but there's now a pain of rejection of it the pain of you know a, a war <laughs> creating a war with it uh is on top of that so it's more like can I at least stop the other pieces and honor whatever is happening, so that I can see what the message is and be with it and take care of myself? And by taking care of myself, one maybe I could possibly be a role model to my child because if they watch me having the ability to do this, maybe they'll take that on for themselves. Um, and then the other part is that the path is open that they I could be be with them because if i'm suffering too much from their suffering like you said all I, i'm going to do is to shut down and move away and um, even if i'm moving away but internally i'm still grappling with it with the shame and the guilt and what you had talked about it, it doesn't do any you know it doesn't do any good it's not relieving anything even even sub, even moving away is not relieving anything
2: yeah cuz then you're adding more there's another layer of shame and i can't even be with this i can't even do it so so um and also the, the water analogy too uh the buddha said 2600 years ago and i do i do use a lot of buddhist practices in the book um he said a drowning man can't save another you have to be on the shore you have to have your feet firmly on the shore to save anyone else So, uh, and not that we can actually save our children, but if I, for me to have, for me to understand my presence matters, the quality of my presence really matters in our relationship. And how I am with my own self matters hugely. The quality of connection I have with my own self is really going to determine my quality of connection with others. So being able to, you know, like you were saying, like to do that, that kind of titration, you know, just starting with a little bit like I call it like a drop. Can I be with a drop of this pain? Because sometimes if I think I if I have to run in, it's going to be a tsunami, it's too much. Can I just be with the edge what like what's how do I keep my center how do I keep my compassion for myself in this and just be with a little till I can open to really see what um what's the best thing for me what's the best thing to take care of me so it's always like this balance too you know it's like care for my you know am I losing my balanced. And then when I when I notice that irritation or frustration or anger or sadness or despair, hopelessness, that means I really need I really need. And then when I can build that part up, and then I see somebody else is going to Oh, I can offer them, you know, presence or support or even just just letting them know that they have a place in my heart, no matter what. I mean, I think kids, you know, I worked in a in a rehab with teenagers. And I think for them to know that somebody will always love them no matter what is such a healing gift for them.
0: Very much. And I've, you know, like you said, I've worked in the field of addiction for 30 years. And it's interesting that the ones who, who use until they uh, overdose or they get worse and worse is because sometimes they they go into a place of nobody loves me. I am so useless to the world that let me just numb myself and kind of, you know, just go into my suffering and be there because there's nobody who loves me. And I can say through the time they've, they've done so much damage to that relationship that, like you said, people have had to kind of honor themselves or they've had to protect themselves. So they kind of moved away. But just like what you said, the, the ones who have actually, from the worst case scenario, have grabbed on something to move up. It's been that glimpse of a love from someone, which gave them the purpose of wanting to live and wanting to actually, you know, handle the suffering and come up. You also talk about permanence in your uh, and impermanence, like impermanence, uh, permanence versus impermanence in your book chapter. So can you share a little bit about that from your view?
2: Yeah. So this, you know, it's a very Buddhist idea of impermanence, but it's based as the teachings are on the reality of the world. And that even though we believe we're solid, we're, we're constantly changing, that everything is changing in us and around us all the time. And if I think I can hold on to anything permanent, that anything's going to stay the same, I'm setting myself up for a lot of disappointment Mm -hmm. because as much as I would love that predictability, you know, I would love to order the future and know what it's going to be in certainty and, and have, you know, human, we just want, permanence. Um, And it's not the way it is, because nobody stays exactly the same. We all keep changing. We're all changed by everything going that's happening in the world around us on some level. So um, coming to terms with this, you know, for it can bring up a lot of fear that we are impermanent, that I do have an expiration date and my kids, I don't, you know, they have expiration dates. We all do. Um, And it's a really, it can be an exquisitely painful thing to even think about and consider the truth that we are, we're just here for a little while. So, um, but the more the more comfortable we get with this idea of, I'm not sure. I just, there's no guarantees. It actually allows me to go deeper in my relationships because I know how precious they are. I know they're not permanent. I can I can deeply appreciate and love people and cherish this time and cherish them, especially aware that I don't know the future. Yes. When the whole world tips, parenting through
0: crisis with mindfulness and balance by Celia Landman. Celia, you've put a lot of amazing um, um, meditation and uh, exercises into your book. And I hope that everybody gets to not only read it, but to practice with it. Uh, is there anything we haven't touched upon that you really want people to know about you, your experience, the book?
2: Hmm. Um, the thing uh, that I've really recognized is that the only certainty in, in my whole life is that I'm going to show up for myself with with uh, love and acceptance no matter what you know and i and i call it not abandon. i am not gonna abandon myself and it it's given me this this calmness that can can enable me to be with a lot of stuff because no matter what i'm gonna be there to catch myself And so it's that place of opening. It's really paradoxical. It's opening to everything that can, um, the joy and the sorrow that can actually give more stability. You know, it sounds like it's going to just be like rocking the world, but it's really more, um, when I open to it all and I support myself, no matter where I am on the continuum if I'm having, you know, joy and connection, or if I'm having disappointment and loss and mourning, um, that's, that's the piece that makes a difference for me.
0: What you said is, um, is interesting because it, we go through this delusion as if I'm not handling what's happening to me while I am handling what's happening to me. I just stay in the delusion that I am not because my body's handling it. If I'm surviving it, if I didn't become psychotic, my ego just, my ego state didn't just break. If my, you know, all of that, that means in some level I am handling it, right? Like if if I actually put my body inside the cold pool And I'm still there kind of like shivering and laughing and screaming. I'm still handling it. You know, not handling it means that my heart would stop and I would be dead. I am handling it, right? But we don't know that we're handling it. We're fighting with it because it's this comfort, but we are handling it. And therefore, what I hear from you is this concept of, can I just be with myself and actually recognize that I am handling it? And this is something, you know, I created a, a psychology model. It's called awareness integration. And one of the things we do with the trauma is also going back to that memory where the child really thought they didn't handle it. And then yet they survived it. They strategized it. They endured it. The patience was there. However, they got through it. They handled it. And that's why as a human being, as a grown-up, I'm sitting here and I'm, I have the ability to go back to that memory and watch it because I actually handled it. And um, when you said the word, I'm not going to abandon myself. It came to me that the abandonment of the self is going into this delusion that I didn't handle it yeah. or I'm powerless and I can't handle it while coming back and and really recognizing all along it was me that was handling it anyway. I just didn't give myself credit for it for the power that I was using at that
2: time of the handling it. How does that sound? Yeah, it's it also you know it's it's like you're legalizing your whole experience yes. that it wasn't that you know I should have could have woulda done better it was like and even the trauma response I mean I write a little bit about trauma in the book the trauma response oh that that was actually there to take care of me that's what that is you know it's my body actually working well my body and my mind trying to take care of me um, so It's just seeing that with that warmth and that accompaniment too. That I, um, you know, you wouldn't do what you did as a five-year-old as a forty-year-old. You know, you're you're at a different developmental stage. But really, seeing that that was, yeah, that that was okay. There was an okayness in that response, and 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 I know, um, you know, people get this idea of like the idea when I talk about equanimity that you don't feel stuff. It's not that you don't feel anything. You might feel outraged or jealous or the things you don't even want to look at. You might feel um, horrified or or contemptuous, whatever it is, and and it's knowing that it's all okay. It's okay to feel what you feel. It's that permission and that, yeah, this is, it's here for a reason.
0: Yes. Um, where can people find you?
2: Well, I have a website and it's my name. It's Celia, C-E-L-I-A, landman l-a-n-d-m-a-n dot and you can that's where you can listen to the meditations and the practices they're all recorded they're free you can download a chapter of the book see if you like it and um you can also just google me and the book is on um barnes and noble amazon the parallax website too who's published it so i'm i'm out there Well, thank you for the gift that you're giving everyone. Thank you so much. It was really lovely to connect with you. And thank you for the work that you're doing and the way you're contributing in the world.
0: Thank you. And thank you for the time you gave us. Sure. My pleasure. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you.
2: And until next week, bye-bye. Are you a psychotherapist looking to enhance
0: your practice? The Awareness Integration Therapy developed by Dr. Fujian Zane is a comprehensive guide to the principle and techniques of this powerful therapeutic approach. Join the growing community who have elevated their practice and expanded their skills by embracing Awareness Integration Therapy and witnessing its life-changing
1: impact. Order your copy on Amazon now. Break free from the forces holding you back get the life you deserve. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, decrease depression, and start living your full potential. Thousands have used Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory, an evidence-based behavioral health breakthrough with incredible life-changing results. Getting rid of past trauma, having fulfilling relationships, increasing earnings, and living their best life. Now, the Fujian app is available to everyone. The app is Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory in the palm of your hand. Download the Fujan app today.